So I have a, a lot of things that I love about our church, but one of the things that's been a real joy and kind of an unexpected joy over the last couple of years is for whatever reason, God has kind of given us the grace of encouraging other churches and other leaders. And this is ne never something that we like really planned on or set out to do strategically, but uh, over the last few years, God has consistently brought men and women that are in full-time ministry um, from all over the country uh, to this place so we can serve and encourage and love and, and bless on them. And so a few months ago, I was sitting down with a small group of men and women. There were maybe six or seven in the room from different churches uh, doing different things. And kind of the, the pulse of those men and women, they were just absolutely exhausted. Just They loved Christ. They'd served as hard as they knew how to serve. They'd done all that they knew how to do. And they're just kind of at the end of the rope. And, you know, some of you are right there in your life right now. You've done all you know how to do, and you're just kind of at the end of it. And so I'm sitting around this table. We're eating lunch. I'm listening to their stories, and they're sharing. And kind of at the, the root of all of the questions that they were asking, essentially, they were saying, how do we help more people from out there in our city come to in here where we're worshiping? How, how do we get those that are out there to, to be a part of what, what it is that we're doing in here? And they're thinking about their churches, and I want you to hear this. It was from the, the deepest place, great motives. They're going, man, you know, we love our city. We love Christ. We want people to know Christ. There are people in our city that don't know Christ, and they were wrestling with this. And so I was just listening to them talk, and I don't know if you ever do this or not, but I, I had no idea what to say. And so I'm just praying as they're talking. You know, my eyes are open. They don't know I'm praying. I'm just kind of looking at them. And I'm like, God, give me something to say to them. Like, what do you want me to say? Like, what should I say? And, and as I'm praying, I just, this phrase like comes in my heart. Hey, Dave, they're asking the wrong question. The question fundamentally at the root of who we are as a church is not how do we get the people out there to be a part of what it is that we're doing in here. The question fundamentally is how do we get the people that are in here to be a part of what God is doing out there. Does that make sense? Because when Jesus helps the people of God in here to be about his work out there, I'm convinced that the people who are out there all of a sudden become interested in the things that God is doing in there. Is this a tongue twister for you? Shake your heads if this makes sense. Like, and I love this picture. Because church is not primarily something we go to. Church is something primarily we are sent from. We're not just the people of God gathered. We're the people of God scattered for his glory and his good and our joy in the process. And so there's this, this moment where you begin to see this. And I'm, I'm asking these people, man, what, what if all of a sudden your church really began to care about the city? Maybe your city would begin to care about the church. And I think God does remarkable things when the arrows of our hearts begin to point out. When we begin to go, man, this really is not about us. I think intrinsically we all know this and we all want this, but we get tired and you get exhausted and you get forgetful and you get needy and then you have kids and it gets way worse. And, you know, all these things happen. It's just so easy for the arrows of our hearts to turn back in on ourselves. And there are these moments where Jesus would show up and with love in his eyes, he'd go, come on, there's more. There's more than this. One of my favorite moments is Matthew chapter five, 5. Turn over there real quick. I just want you to see this for a second. I love Matthew chapter 5, verse 13. Jesus is sitting on the side of a mountain. He's talking to a group of people. They're all over the map spiritually, just like those of us that are sitting in this room. And I love it. Jesus speaks to them, and this is what he says. He says, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. 
Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house in the same way. Let your light shine before all people that they may see your good deeds and praise your glorious Father in heaven. And so there's this moment where Jesus is looking out at this group of people all like us. Some of them are in a good place with God. Some of them aren't. Some of them are on mission with Jesus. Some of them aren't. And Jesus says, I want to give you a new vision for what it means to be the people of God on mission with Christ in the midst of a city. He says, you're salt and you're light. I love this, this image. And we've talked about this before. Salt in their culture in the first century was not a condiment. It was not to give more flavor. It was a preservative. In a world without refrigeration, if you didn't want to go hunting every day, you needed salt. You would take raw meat. You would stick it in piles of salt. It would cure the meat so it would last longer. And this is what Jesus is saying. He says, you is the people of God filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. You are the preservative of a world that is decaying. He says, when you go into the world, there are things that are decaying, and by your very nature, because of the Spirit of God that is in you collectively, you are salt, and things get better when the people of God are present. And Jesus says, it does no good if salt only hangs out with salt. It loses its ability to be salty. He says, it preserves that which is decaying. Does that make sense? And he keeps going and he says, here's another analogy for you. He says, you're the light of the world. He says, the world is like full of darkness. He says, but the spirit of God is in you. Like when, when people see you, things begin to change. And if you never notice the way that this works, when light shows up in the dark corners, darkness instantly loses. Darkness and light do not coexist. And so when the people of God find themselves in dark places, who wins? The glory of Christ in you. This is what Jesus is saying. He says, man, this is the glorious mission. You are salt. You are light. And I love, look, look down at the end of, I think, verse 16. The end of verse 16. He says, and live your life in such a way that when people see you, they worship. Have you ever thought about that? He says, man, as the people of God, we're, we're supposed to live in such a way that when people see you, their response is to, like, break out and worship to their maker. I don't know if that's your experience on a weekly basis. I know it's mine. Like, I'm walking through the house and Sydney's just like worshiping, you know. <laughs> Jesus knows we forget this stuff. And he says, this is who you're made to be. This is what you're made to do. I remember a few years ago, it was actually this week. It was the week before Thanksgiving. I, I got a phone call from one of our ministry partners here in the city. His name's Ron Shepard. He leads a group called Youth for Christ. They work in a three-mile radius in one of the poorest parts of northern downtown Nashville. And he called and he said, Dave, you know, we work with about 400 families and we got a phone call today that the food shipment that was supposed to come our way didn't come our way. And I'm just desperate. I'm laying it out there. We need something. Can your church help us? Uh, can you write us a check? Can you guys do a canned food drive? Can, can you bring stuff from your homes? I don't care what you do. We have people that are hungry. We need this. And here was something that was kind of beautifully ironic that morning. I don't think it was ironic. I'd been reading through the Gospel of Mark, and I read the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000. It was a story we read a few weeks, weeks ago together. And I love Jesus. Uh, the disciples come to Jesus, and they say, Jesus, we're surrounded by all of these hungry people. What should we do about it? And I love it. Jesus doesn't call them to have a prayer meeting, and he doesn't ask them to put together a six-month strategy on taking care of the poor on the side of the mountain. Jesus says, you feed them. So just feed them. He says, you partner with me, and you feed them. And so I remember it was a Wednesday or Thursday afternoon of that week when I got the phone call, and I came into our staff, and I went, man, they need food next week. We don't possibly have time to organize it. What if we just sent our church out? 
Like, what if we left in the middle of the service and we went to Kroger and we cleared out Kroger and we put it in U-Hauls and we drove it into the city and we gave food, or, food away? And I remember us just dreaming, oh, we went, that'd be nuts. We thought, let's do that. And so I remember like getting up and some of you were here that day and I'm, you know, like giving an awesome sermon. I mean, it's a great sermon. And like in the middle of the sermon, I'm like, hey, let's just, let's go to Kroger right now and buy food. And I remember like walking out in the middle of the sermon, like, hey, let's go. And everyone's like looking around like, is he serious? <laughs> Is this a metaphor? I'm like, it's not a metaphor. Let's, let, let's go to Kroger. I remember us just all standing up. We went to Kroger, and we were just like, I'm watching college guys clean off shelves with their arm, and I don't know. They're probably using their parents' card to pay for it. I don't know, but, but we're like just buying stuff. We're like worshiping in Kroger. I'm like, man, this is the most awesome worship service we've ever had. And we're just being the people that God made us to be. And so last year, Ron called us again, and he said, hey, it's not an emergency this time. We're trying to get ahead. Do you think your church could do something again, could you guys? And we thought, let's just do it that way again. Let's just leave the building. Let's go to the store. Let's clear it out. And here's what's amazing. Last year, our goal was to take care of their entire ministry for a week. Do you know what we did? Do you know what God did through you? We took care of their entire ministry for four months. You guys bought $50,000 worth of groceries in one day, loaded five and a half U-Hauls full it took people hours just to unload the U-Hauls full of food. Like, man, praise God for that. And here's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to leave here in like five minutes. And we're going to go to three, three different stores. And we're going to clear them out again for the glory of God. And we're going to fill up the U-Hauls. We're going we're to distribute them over the next few weeks in a variety of ways. And um, man, I go, what if God wants to take care of the needs in the city for the next year through what God would do this morning? Now, I want to share something with you real quickly before we head out of here, because uh, I think this is important. Why is it that we do what we're getting ready to do? There's two reasons we, we, we do this. Uh, we do this because Jesus Christ, his utmost concern is for the people who are in need. And because he is our Lord, their needs are our needs, right? And so one of the reasons that we do this is because of who Jesus is, one of the other reasons that we do this is because there, there are people in need in our city. And as long as we are God's people in this city, we go, man, it's our responsibility to do something about it. And so why do we do this? Because of who Christ is and because of the need that's in the city. But I want you to understand the second half of this. Why do we do this the way that we do this? Because there's a lot of ways we can meet these needs. We could write a huge fat check. You guys could have all brought cans together and thrown them into bins today and we could have delivered them and all of those things would have been wonderful. But a couple of years ago when we started doing this, we saw a second aspect of this mission that Christ revealed to us completely accidentally that first Sunday we went out and did this. We saw when we went to the store, we weren't just meeting the needs of people that were hungry, we were meeting the needs of people that were spiritually hungry as well because they're there in the grocery store and you guys are showing up by the hundreds and they're looking around and they're going, what's going on? I remember the first year they called the cops. At first they thought we were looting them and I was like, no, we're, we're, we're paying. <laughs> we're, we're paying. And strangers started jumping in. We had a manager from the store said, hey, I'll match what's being... We had police officers buying groceries. We had people asking, hey, what are you guys doing? Can, can we help? And some of you stood in lines for over an hour buying groceries and talking and laughing. And you came back and you went, man, it was one of the most tangible ways I ever experienced God. And it was an opportunity for us to flood the city with salt and light all at once. And so the goal is not just to get food this morning. 
The goal is to get food in such a way that the people who you're getting food around will turn and look at you and they will worship the Father, their glorious maker. They go, man, may he do that in us. So here in a second, I'm going to pray for us. And as you're leaving, we're going to hand you out one of these grocery lists. The cheapest item on this list is 60 cents. You can buy one item, 500 items. We do not care. Uh, some of you don't have money to, to buy anything. I would say still go to the store with this. Go fellowship with this. Go witness to the glory of Christ with this. Like, go with this. You don't have to buy anything. And so as you leave, uh, on the top of this list for this worship gathering, there are three different grocery stores. We'd ask that you go to one of these three grocery stores. Um, they're kind of surrounding this, this property within a few miles. Buy the groceries, take them out to the U-Haul, to the drop them off, and do it all for the glory of Christ. Make sense? It's going to be really fun. I'm going to invite you to stand up. Let's pray together, and then we're going to continue. Continue our time with Christ. Father, I pray that you would use what happens over the next couple of hours to not only meet the needs of some um, hungry families in our city, but God, you would use what is happening right now to bear witness to your love, your compassion, your glory, your goodness. May the people of, that are in these Kroger's and in these Harris Teeters, the people that are working, the people that are shopping, God, may they be overwhelmed with love. I pray that you would save some people into your kingdom today because of the ways in which they will watch our people shop. Father, would you do things that so exceed what we could even think to ask or imagine. Fill those stores with joy. Fill our hearts with joy. Help us to be generous, Lord, and do it all for your goodness. I pray that no one is interested or knows about ethos primarily, but people leave knowing about you, Lord, and who you are and what you're doing. It's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen. Church is not done. It's just getting started, but you are dismissed.